Thank you for listening to Bellwether's Wednesday night service. Every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. sharp. Join us. You know, as I'm, uh, I'm standing there and, and singing some, I'll be honest, singing a little, I have two thoughts, uh, and one connects with just singing a little and not a lot. First off, I don't know what y'all do uh, on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights. Uh, some may just, uh, you know, blast out singing in worship. I think I heard you, Jeremy. Good job, man. Nice boy. So, uh, you're piping it out, man. That's awesome. Uh, you know, others... You know, Chris and I have talked about this. Um, you know, folks in the worship, you know, it's like they sing, stand, some really sing, some don't, which that's okay. But one thing that I do, and I, I did just then, I, I get a lot of prayer requests throughout the day, throughout the week, Jill and I do. And so sometimes I just listen to the music and literally receive, receive the gifts uh, of Chris, of Tyler, of our worship team on Sunday mornings. And I use that time uh, to pray. I'll be honest, I'm not a natural, like, okay, sit down and have my 15 minutes of prayer time. Some people are really gifted in that. It's not my gift. But Scripture tells us uh, to pray without ceasing. And so what I try to do is throughout the day, uh, really try to live a day, a life uh, in prayer. And so, you know, before a meeting, say a prayer. As I'm driving from the Bible study at Sneaky Beans uh, to my class at JA this morning uh, to pray, and pray over specific needs and specific people. You know, tomorrow morning, one thing I was praying about is uh, tomorrow morning I'm giving a Bible study uh, to a lot of fifth graders, uh, which, is, uh, which should be interesting. I've I'm, I'm, you know, been trying to think, all right, what am I going to say? How am I going to do a Bible study, fifth graders? And so I was just praying over these kids' lives, you know, just standing there and not knowing who will be there. But prayer really matters. And, uh, you know, the first worship really were, were acts of prayer, uh, the Psalms. Uh, were prayers before they were music. Uh, many of the greatest hymns were prayers for music. So God really convicted me there. You know, you kind of come in, and this is a family time. It's a connect time on Wednesday night. It's very laid back. Uh, but if you do nothing else, uh, use that time, a focused time, just to pray. Pray for the needs of your, your heart, uh, people in your life. And then secondly, and this directly ties to... Um, to what we're talking about tonight. And if you have your Bibles or take a Bible and turn to Galatians, it's towards the back, one of Paul's letters, Galatians chapter 5. We're going to be in Galatians 5 and 6. But I love these poets who wrote these songs and these hymns. Uh, Chris is a poet. I mean, he's a songwriter. And I don't know who wrote that song, but your love never fails. And how we don't celebrate that enough, because we live in this world, particularly in uh, the West, which is the Western Hemisphere, or or USA, where it is all about performance, performance performance-driven in our work, uh, performance-driven in how we look, our appearances, uh, everything from like People Magazine and Us Magazine, all the way to uh, Jackson and, you know, we would like to say picket fence or, you know, the appearance of things that we strive for, yet the hymn, if you, if you heard, it's like your love never fails. And we don't have to rely on our performance 
or our efforts uh, or our work. And that's the gospel, that's the grace, that how we uh, appear or how we do things does not save us. Jesus' love does. And so we trust in that. And we have the freedom, and we're going to hear that word a lot in Scripture in this passage, the freedom uh, to live and love and be uh, weak and be, um, uh, be authentic and say, you know, I have trouble with this or that. Um, we have that freedom, and we can trust in God's love. Amen? That's, that's like the gospel, you know. So... Uh, I hope that you use our time of worship, Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings, for your own prayer. And really, the words always convict me. I'm a, I'm a words guy. And again, these poets, Chris included, it's, it's just beautiful language. All right, let's get into Scripture. This is in Galatians. Uh, Wednesday night is also not just to connect, but it's to equip. Uh, we really uh, go uh, more through passage of Scripture to say, you know, this is how uh, both we should live, but also equipping ourselves with God's Word. I don't know how much y'all know about uh, Galatians. Uh, Galatians is uh, a different letter. It was not written to a specific church. Like Ephesians was written to the church in Ephesus. Corinthians was written to the church in Corinth. Galatians is a region. Uh, In today's world, it would be basically right in the center of modern-day Turkey. And there was a cluster, a group of churches in Galatia that Paul was writing this letter to. Now, Paul was like, he was a church planner extraordinaire. Uh, I've talked about this in Sunday mornings, in our covenant meetings. Uh, Paul would go start a church, establish a team of elders, which we're doing here at Bellwether, and we continue to teach about. And then he would leave and go plant another church after the elders and the leadership had been established. The church is in Galatia went astray. When I went, they didn't go astray by... Um, some of the sins that we think of, we taught uh, the churches in Corinthians. You know, you, I've said, you know, if you want to feel good about your church, look at the churches in Corinth. You know, debauchery, you know, sex, uh, orgy, I mean, bad, you know, explicit sin stuff. Galatia, or the church in Galatia, had a, a different sin in that they went away from the gospel, away from what we just sang about. Stay with me, track with me. When we say, your love never fails... The church in Galatia would say, well, instead of your love, uh, our works aren't going to fail you, God. You tracking with me there? It's, it's two different ways of thinking and really living out our faith. One is, your love's not going to fail me. I can trust in that. The other one is, my works aren't going to fail you. I'm going to do, 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 and, you know, appear this way and work this way and have my efforts, and that's what's going to get me saved. And that's where they were going. So Paul writes this letter to say, it ain't about what you do, it ain't about how you look, it ain't about all your good works, it's about what Jesus has done. And you've lost the meaning of the gospel, the meaning of the cross, the meaning of what salvation is, and anyway, that's a bad place to be. I love this letter too, because often we're in the same boat as a church in Galatia. I would say because of this culture we live in, uh, because of, uh, and look, I'm you know proud to be an American, Lee Greenwood, all that good stuff. But it's like you know it's performance, it's work, effort, and that like uh, morphs into our Christian life that we got to be this good, upstanding Christian, and that's what saves us. And that's that's not what saves us. And so Paul 
is talking about that. Now, we're in chapter 5, so he goes ahead and starts, and he ties it a lot with Jewish customs. Uh, I'm not going to talk as much about that. I really want it to apply to our life than the here and now. So I just want to start in Galatians 5, verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Let me ask you all a question. Let me be honest. I say, you know, sometimes don't, you don't have to raise hands, but raise hands. How many of y'all really feel free in your life? Okay. So nobody feels free. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Thanks for your honesty. I don't feel free either. And I think sometimes we feel in bondage by two types of, uh, of things. There, there are lots of things, but I'm going to highlight two tonight. One is the explicit sin that a lot of times it's easy to focus on. And that would be, um, let's say, sexual sin or addiction, uh, drunkenness, uh, greed. Like, man, I, you know, I just, I got to make this deal. I got to make more money. It's never enough. Uh, buying addictions, shopping addictions. You know, I, I never have enough. Uh, I have this problem, I'll be honest, I have this problem with books. Uh, some of y'all know this. Jill and Chris know that. I love buying books. I get on Amazon and... Uh, Jeremy, you'll come to know this soon. I mean, I, I just say, you know, I'll buy five books, and, you know, they're still sitting on my desk. It's never enough, and books become an idol. I know y'all are like, you're a geek. I, I am kind of a geek in that way, but, you know, I love just acquiring a library, um, and so it's, you know, we're in bondage. Now, the other way, though, we can be in bondage, and we don't think about this as much, but it's the bondage of performance, what I've been talking about, that we're in bondage of, man, I've, you know, I've got to go to this party got to go to the sets of parties. I've got to look a certain way. I've got to, you know, always put on the smile. My mom uh, talks about it, uh, and she has for years, you know, saying, like, you know, I feel like I've always got to wear this mask. And that's bondage both ways. So, you know, how good we can be or the things that pull us and make us, you know, bad in our eyes or we think in the eyes of others, not in God's eyes. And Paul says, This first verse, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And that's good news. That is the gospel. That's great news that we're really free in Christ. And and something I'd like y'all to know, I mean, y'all that are here tonight, uh, thank God y'all are here. Y'all are blessed because you're here, because you get to hear this word. And if you haven't been told before, you can know it now. We are free in Christ. We're free from the, the sin that we normally think of, the bad stuff. Uh, addictions, you know, buying, shopping, you know, the things that are explicit. We're also free from having to perform and having to look good and having to to make ourselves, you know, fit into this social circle or, or, you know, be, you know, in the right supper clubs. We're free from that. And I pray because I really see, I probably see this bondage uh, more than this other bondage where we live. I just, one of the big prayers of for our church is that you know, we would really have people who experience true freedom and find that in Christ. Now, I, I can't, as, as pastor, as a human being, you know, I can't like break you out of that bondage. Jesus can. And it's by trusting in what he's done in believing the words we just sang in his love never fails. Now, Paul, he, um, he specifies what the bondage looks like even more and sometimes this is how we try to live our Christian life. Skip to verse 4. Look at what he says. He says, you are severed 
from Christ. That's pretty harsh. I mean, severed, you know, severed is... You who would be justified, justified, you could translate that word as saved. We always think of saved, justified by the law. The law being right, wrong, Ten Commandments, do this, do that. So let me just rephrase this. You are cut off from Christ. You are not saved if you focus only on, I should do this, I should do that. That's pretty heavy. And that is often the way we can live. It says, you have fallen away from grace. Grace is what we just sang about. Your love never fails. Love is grace. The grace given to us. The grace poured out on us. And he's saying, if you live by, I've got to do this and I shouldn't do that, you're cut, you're cut off from Christ. And you're falling away from grace. Verse 5, though, he says, through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. I want to stop and really break down that verse. You know, like I, y'all may be like, I don't really know, you know what that means. Again, go back to verse 4. If it's just, well, do this, do that, you're cut off from Christ, and you're falling away from grace. So you're like, okay, well, then how am I saved? By the Holy Spirit first, the Holy Spirit that's active right now, the Holy Spirit that's active uh, in this world, the Holy Spirit that God in Jesus gave us, the Comforter, the Helper, by the Holy Spirit, trusting in Him, and by faith, believing the Holy Spirit's here, believing the Holy Spirit works in our hearts, believing the Holy Spirit works in relationships, in our marriages, in our relationships with our children, in our jobs, that the Spirit's there, we believe, We wait for the hope of righteousness. Now, righteousness is a word, honestly, that I've never really just been too keen on. You know, it sounds like holy roller. It sounds like, you know, I'm holier than thou. You know, I always think of, I need to think of, well, they're the righteous person, and I'm never going to live up to his or her standings, and they're Mr. or Miss Righteous. But here, it's saying, you know, if we live and trust in the Holy Spirit, Believe Jesus' love never fails. Jesus' righteousness. And I talk about this. If you were there that Sunday, I had the table, all the sin, the white sheet, his righteousness, his right living will continue to invade us, flood over us. And I believe, and I don't believe it just because me as a person or as pastor believes it, but because it's the gospel His righteousness comes into us and changes us. So therefore, it's not about what we do or don't do. It's because this is how we want to live. I like calling it our affections change. You know, we as people, we do what we want to do. How many of y'all again, how many of y'all do what you want to do? I do what I want to do. And a lot of times, what I want to do is not good for me or it's bad. But if you trust in Jesus and if, verse 5, believe the Holy Spirit's working in you, believe and have faith in his love and his grace, his right living, righteousness is literally translating, right living, Jesus' right living, will flood you. Where, you know, this bad stuff over here, you're like, I don't want to, I really, I don't want to do this anymore. And this other stuff, the, the good, you know, acts and showing and performances, you're in freedom, you're like, I know what Jesus has done. 
I don't have to be fake. Uh, I don't have to perform. Uh, I know that Jesus' right living is so much better than me trying to live in a right way, and I can trust in that. I call it a serene confidence. I've used that phrase before. You think of confidence, cockiness, boldness, but it's serene. You can walk. There's a peace. Uh, And some of you all have seen it in people. I mean, I want it more and more for my life. A serene confidence, trusting in the Spirit, not in your works, trusting in Him to change you, and your affections will change. So you won't want to do these things that pull you down over here, the bad things. You won't want to, you know, do these things that you're trying to act good. Instead, you'll just trust in Jesus. Verse 6 says, For in Jesus, and here is a Jewish thing, so bear with me, for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. Let me try to put that in today's terms. For in Christ Jesus, neither how you look or how you don't look counts for anything, but only faith working through love. See, these people in Galatia, they were saying, well, okay, you can be a Christian, but you still have to be circumcised according to the Jewish law. And, you know, if you're circumcised, you're good. If you're uncircumcised, and that was just one law, that was just one aspect. So Paul is saying, look, all these things that, you know, you think count for something, how you look, what you do, they say, they don't count for anything. Only in Jesus, faith, Faith that works in love. How does faith work in love? Well, you have to believe. You have to believe that Christ is in you. You have to believe his love never fails. And then you can outwardly express his love uh, to your neighbor, uh, to a city, uh, to relationships. It's what we call as you go. The Great Commission, Jesus says go. It literally translates as you go uh, in your jobs, as you go uh, in wedding planning. As uh, you go uh, to raise money for heart, whatever you do, Jennifer, hearts, for hearts, yeah. Uh, as uh, you go playing basketball Thursday night, uh, as uh, you go, Jan and Mark taking care of your beautiful granddaughter, as you go, it's faith working in love, that there is this active faith that we trust first in the love of Christ, and it flows in us, through us, outwardly. Now, Go down to verse 9, because this, this pertains, let's say, to a church um, or a small group, um, a church staff, um, any group of folks. Paul says a little leaven uh, leavens the whole lump. Uh, now, I'm not a baker, Joe, can't bake, or can't really cook, um, and I don't really know what leaven means, but I, I know that it's something to do with bread, and it's something that's in bread, and that Paul is saying, you know, a little bit of this will leaven the whole dough. And what he's saying is, if you've got, you know, if all you people are trying to live by grace, by love, by Jesus, by faith, by the Spirit, and you've got one guy or gal who's saying, you know, well, I've got to be perfect, I, you know, I've got to look right, it's about what I do, it's about how many good works I've done, it's about how many mission trips I've gone on, Tabor, it's about, uh, I love you, bro, it's about, you know, how many groups I've started or how good I teach or all this He's saying, man, that impacts a body. Uh, It impacts a community. Uh, And Paul's even saying, um, you know, he's saying, you know, call this brother out. Because just one uh, can change the dynamic and can influence others with the wrong truth, not the gospel, 
uh, but something that's false. And so as a church, I mean, that really convicted me. Uh, Chris and I were having lunch uh, yesterday. We were talking about church leadership, elders. Uh, you've heard me talk about that, teaching about that, elder-led. But uh, to really look and see and pray, you know, who is God calling and really be discerning to be the elders of this church? Because this is, uh, this is really a powerful uh, statement about this for a church, for a group, that if you have a brother who's saying, you know, look at how good I am, my works matter, who's literally in bondage, okay? And again, it's key because we think of bondage as all the, you know, addictions and those, you know, the bad things. But the bondage of how good you look and how well you perform and how much you've done, that's bondage. Actually, it can be a worse bondage than the, the other side. Saying a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Now, for your life, you know, I kind of talked about that with the church. Uh, all of y'all probably know somebody like that who goes to church and really focuses um, on their works. They may not realize they, fo- they focus on their works. We, we kind of hardly ever do. This is really... It's a hard verse. It's a hard passage because you're like, well, should we confront them? Should we get away from them? Uh, I've prayed about this a lot because I knew I was teaching on this since um, two days ago. Uh, I think you do set some boundaries uh, because, you know, if a brother influences you the wrong way and you're moving in this way, you've got to set some boundaries and really pray that God would open a door to say, you know, brother... It's not about how much you've done. It's not about how good you look. It's about what Jesus has done in your life. And it's really tricky because usually these people have the right responses. A lot of times they know the Bible real well. A lot of times they will, you know, they could probably even quote Scripture. And so if your words don't convict them, you know, sometimes the only thing you do is pray. And sometimes, the worst case scenario, sometimes you have to separate yourself because, as Paul says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. So, I mean, Paul is saying, beware of this in your churches, these churches in Galatia. And so we have to be wary of it uh, in our own churches. Let's go to uh, verse 13, and we're going to get into, uh, um, try to go through five, chapter 5, get into a little bit of chapter 6. Verse 13, it says, For you were called to freedom. Again, it's freedom from bondage. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, Serve one another, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. These couple verses is both for us as individuals. It's also for a community, uh, for a church, for a group. He says again, you were called to freedom, but he says don't use your freedom as an opportunity to serve the flesh. And this is a question that uh, probably many of you have, have grappled with. I mean, I've been asked many times in that, you know, well, if, if I've got freedom, if it doesn't matter, then I can do what I want. Um, I, I saw this, you know, clear, crystal clear uh, when I was at, uh, you know, a place that I love but uh, needs tons of churches and missionaries, you know, a place called Oxford, uh, Ole Miss. And uh, it was, uh, you'd have students who, you know, would believe in this, and I'd be hanging with them, but it's like, you know, I mean, you know, God's, God saved me in Christ, I mean, I, I got it down pat, so, you know, I mean, I can get wasted, you know, I mean, I can do keg stands, um, you know, I can sleep 
to whomever I want. And they would really actually ma- manipulate the gospel and manipulate this, uh, this really polarizing word that uh, is, is biblical, that we call predestination. And this is not going to get into that. They're like, you know, I, I got it so I can do and live what I want. You know, if anybody says that to you, you should like sear in your mind's right, you know, Galatians 5, 13 and 14. You're free. Don't use your freedom as an excuse to indulge the flesh. The flesh is real. Uh, flesh is real. The heart is broken. Um, there is this thing called human depravity. Uh, we want to do what we want to do, and we'll be uh, sinful and make wrong choices. We have freedom. We have to trust in that freedom. We have to remind ourselves. We have to do what I call repent daily, come to these times of study and fellowship, be in the Bible on your own to remind yourself and repent that, you know, I can't just use my freedom to just do what I want and party how I want and live the way I want, that that's, that's not what it's about. He says, you shall love one another as yourselves. Through love, serve one another. Again, it begins with the love of Christ, flooded over our heart. He saves. His love never fails. It flows outward. We should rejoice. I mean, we should rejoice that we are free. We should rejoice that we're saved. We should rejoice that it's not about how we appear, how we look, how we dress, how we act, how we do, how we work. But yet, that doesn't mean do what you want. And that's where your affections change and you say, thank God Jesus saved me. So now I want to learn about him. I want to serve him. I want to follow him and, and not do these things that I know are bad for me. I know will pull me down. I know will destroy my body. I know we'll destroy relationships. Uh, but it's tough. Let me just be real. It's tough. And that's why you have to, I was talking to somebody today, you have to discipline yourselves. So it's honestly why you have to have the church. Because if left on our own as individuals, we would fail. You have to have a community of folks that call one another, check in with one another, meet with one another, love one another, serve one another, hold one another accountable, encourage one another, take care of one another, um, or we, on our own, um, we will bite and devour one another, consume one another. Famous passage at the end of this chapter is the spirit and the flesh. He talks about the flesh, what the flesh wants, and he contrasts that with the walk of the spirit. Let's read verse 16, and I'm going uh, to finish this chapter off, 16 through 26. Many of y'all have probably heard this before, love this passage. But I say, Paul says, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, Jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also 
walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This passage directly ties to the illustration I used about the folks at Ole Miss, or let's say the folks in Jackson, or the folks in New York City, or the folks all around the world that would say, okay, well, Jesus saved me so I can do what I want. Paul says, if we live by the Spirit, then you walk by the Spirit. So if you claim the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's in your heart, then you walk by the Spirit. How do you know somebody's a Christian? I always say this, you know, well, this person, somebody say, well, this person, you know, died, and, you know, what do you think, John Hugh, is, are they going to be, you know, where are they going to be? And I'll say, look, I can't see a person's heart. I can't see inside it. Only God knows. As we talked about last week, every person will stand before the Lord to give an account. What I can see, what we can see, is the fruit in a person's life. So I've said what I know and what I believe is I've seen the fruit in this person's life, and yes, I believe that not only did the Spirit live inside them, but they walked by the Holy Spirit, and yes, they were a believer. How do we know someone's a Christian? You see fruit. What is fruit? Fruit, you got a tree, and fruit grows. It bears fruit. Living our Christian life, if we're a tree, branches reach out, roots, but if there's no fruit, if it's dry and barren, where's the Holy Spirit? We want to see fruit. What's fruit? Paul lists it out. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I talked about affections change. When the Holy Spirit truly lives in you, resides in you, affections change. And you start saying, I don't want to be dry. These things cause me to be this dry oak. I want to bear fruit. I want to be gentle. I want to be patient. I want to have real joy. I want to have purpose. I want to have faith. I want to trust that whatever God may bring, if God brings bankruptcy, I'll still have faith and joy. If God brings cancer, I'll still have faith and joy. If God brings a wayward child, I'll still have faith and joy. If God brings uh, a special needs child, I'll still have faith and joy. Fruit of the Spirit, these very real, tangible things that the Holy Spirit grows in us. And it begins by trusting in Jesus, His work in our heart, and the Holy Spirit moves outward. Going into chapter 6, and I'm actually, I'm going to close here, but I think this is so important. I really want to, I really want to talk about this. Let me set this up real quick. Let's say if um, you live by the Spirit, and you're walking by the Spirit, and you're bearing fruit in your life. Praise God. That's good. And let's say you got a relationship, brother or sister, and they're like very much in sin. And, you know, honestly, and you're probably like me, when I think of sin, I think of those, you know, the addictions, the explicit sin, but it could be greed. Uh, it, it could be adultery, but it could be greed. It could be, uh, could be pride. Uh, honestly, that's the biggest one, you know, thinking they're holier than thou, uh, thinking they're better, thinking they're more righteous. You know, if they're just really caught, and I think we can all think of somebody like this, that's just caught in sin, how do we relate to them? How do, how do we act towards them? Do, do we break it off? 
do, do, you know, do we get away? Do we, do we change the relationship? Sometimes. Paul gives very specific advice about our relationships. Again, if we're living by the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, bearing fruit, and we've got a brother or sister over here that is not, and we've been close, or we are close, what do we do? Um, I, I love this verse. Verse 1 says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression or sin, you who are spiritual, you're bearing fruit, should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Um, let me give you an example. Let's say uh, a brother is caught just in pride, you know, thinking they're better, thinking they're haughtier, uh, a mocker. So, you know, they, they make fun of folks, they, um, they mock, they're sarcastic. So we're spiritual, we see this, and, you know, we're like, man, I don't want to call him out. I don't want to have that cup of coffee. I don't want to have that conversation. But then it's just it's driving me nuts, and I've, I've got to say something. You know, how do, I, how do I do this? Paul's saying be very careful. He's definitely saying try to restore them. Restoration is like literally making them whole, helping them to see their sin, helping them to repent, say, man, you're right, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm messing up. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm, I, you know, I'm not living the way I should. I'm not, I mean, not doing the things that I should. So restore him, but yet he says, be careful in a spirit of gentleness. So you don't say, man, you are out of line. You know, I'm calling you out. Uh, you know, pride and pride together, <laughs> you know, it's not a good combination. Gentleness, uh, humility. Uh, say, man, you know, I, I'm here. I'm having this cup of coffee because I love you. Uh, you're my brother. Maybe a physical brother, uh, physical sister, a relationship. Maybe a spouse. Uh, you may need to say softly and humbly, you know, I need you to hear me here. You know, you're, this is not, uh, we're not in a good place. But in gentleness, say, you know, you are in, I wouldn't phrase it like this, this is really, you know, you're in blankety-blank sin, but, and you're doing this. You're off track. Um, man, I love you. I want to help you. Uh, one of two things could happen. Uh, the Holy Spirit could convict the person where that person uh, repents, as in, you're right, I'm sorry, um, I've hurt people, I've hurt you, uh, would you forgive me, would you help me, I need help. Uh, that, I mean, fortunately, I mean, thank God I've seen that, I've been witness to situations like that, praise God. Uh, another example would be they, they just resist. They're like, man, you, you're jacked up, man. You know, I mean, you're, you're crazy. I don't, know, I don't know where you get this. You're coming to me, and, and you're all holy now, and, and you, you know, you got the spirit thing you're talking about. I mean, who are you? Had that happen too. Uh, you know, what do you do then? Sometimes you have to walk away. Sometimes you have to say, man, I'll pray for you. Man, I'm here. I'm praying that, you, that God will change your heart. Other times, they can respond, and I think this is the trap that Paul is talking about. When they respond that second way or a third way um, and lash out uh, even more, uh, you can then have feelings of pride, uh, feelings of, you know, I'm, I'm better than them, feelings of, you know, well, they can just go to, you know, you know where. Paul said, be very careful when you're with a brother who's called up that you don't fall into that same sin. And so I say this to you all as, as we're talking about walking by the Spirit and bearing fruit, uh, 
I love just right after that, Paul said, we're going to be in relationships with people uh, that don't line up with us. I mean, it's like a daily battle. Right? I, don't have to, I don't have to spell that out with y'all. We're in relationship. I think y'all are, you know, if you're here and it's a Wednesday night, it's not Sunday morning, y'all are wanting to walk by the Spirit. Praise God. Y'all are like, man, we want to grow. We're here. Doors are open. Praise God. So I'm thankful for y'all, but we're going to be probably tomorrow, you know, in a relationship with somebody that's not. And we've got to be gentle. And sometimes, yes, call them out, but gently do that and be very careful that we, and here's, this is the last thing I'll say, that we, are, we don't harbor offense at those folks who will strike us or hurt us. I know this, probably all of y'all know this, offense, um, and when I say offense, like you're offended with a person. You're just like, man, you get angry, and offense builds up. And, and, and again, maybe it's, it's, it can be a spouse. It can be a child. It can be someone just so close to us. Uh, we want to guard against offense. We're going to pray, God, don't let me be offended at this person. Help me to restore this person. Help me be gentle. Uh, now, sometimes you do got to get away, so I'll be clear about that. But Paul is saying, be careful that... Um, you're not tempted, and you don't fall into their sin, and your heart hardens, and, um, and, and you just you regress. You regress in sin. Last thing I'd say is this. Um, you know, this passage, this chapter, it's talking about our life today. It begins with, you know, how we're saved. Are we saved by how we look? how we appear, the works we do. Paul says, no, don't get caught up in that. You're saved by Jesus. Trust in that. Live in that. Let his spirit reside in you. And then he moves into these outward responses and actions, the fruit of the spirit. And y'all are growing fruit, and I want y'all to grow fruit. And then he says, and I want y'all to be protected because the devil's real, and he'll use other people. So I encourage y'all, protect yourself individually. Time in God's word. It's what we call rise with God. Protect yourself in your family. Be in a church. Be part of this community. What we call invest in a church family. Be part of a smaller group. It doesn't have to be this formal group. It can be a small group of people that you're meeting with. You know, and serve one another. Those are ways, those are good disciplines that we can protect ourselves and keep growing in fruitfulness, which is what God wants which is what this church needs, which is what our world needs. So I'm going to close in prayer. And last thing I would say, we're just going to have a, a closing time uh, in prayer. Uh, Chris, I'd ask if you'd just come up afterwards. You can either pray in your seat. You can come to the altar. Uh, I'd ask if there is somebody uh, that you either are offended with or if you have a complicated relationship and you're like, God, I don't know how to, I don't know how to handle this. Give me some wisdom. I'd ask you to pray for that person right now. And that God would change that person or give you wisdom in how to uh, restore that person uh, with gentleness. I'll open us in prayer and then uh, Chris will play for a little bit. Again, you pray in your seats. You're welcome to come to the altar uh, and then we'll close it out. Dear Lord, thank you for your word, man. I just, it, it is so, um, and I get convicted just in, in reading it and, and speaking it and teaching it. And I, I pray these people do as well. Uh, I pray we're changed. Uh, and maybe it's in a little way or maybe it's in a great way, but we're all changed tonight. Just, I believe we're changed each time we look into your word. So I pray that we know that we have it just more and more seared in our, in our hearts, that it's not what we do, it's what you have done. And we trust in that grace. And we rely and believe that your spirit 
is washing over our hearts and will help us bear fruit. And then I pray for those complicated relationships that need restoration. So if you want to use us as instruments to restore, then open a door, give us your wisdom, help us to see how to do it in a gentle way. And we do pray for these people that that we do have a complicated relationship with. Again, it it may be an in-law. It may be a son or daughter-in-law. It it may be a former relationship. It may be a brother. We've all got them. We, We can just pick it out. Pray for them. Give us wisdom in that relationship. Thank you for your spirit. Help us to bear more fruit by your spirit, not on what we do, for Christ and his kingdom. Amen.